Hi, and welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today we have Raj Raghunathan. He's a professor at the University of Texas and is going to talk to us about happiness. This is Technotopia. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs, and today on the show we have Raj Raghunathan. He's a professor at the University of Texas at Austin, marketing professor, and he's written a book called If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Happy? Uh, and today, Raj, why aren't we happy? Can you answer that question? Yeah, so I'll just uh, give you a very sure. uh, kind of brief synopsis of uh, what I say in the book. Um, my basic argument is that uh, you can't really be happy if you're operating from what I call a scarcity mindset. Um, when you operate from a scarcity mindset, um, you're basically of the belief that your win is going to come at somebody else's loss, life is a zero-sum game, those sets of beliefs. And so you're going to approach um, uh, the goals in your life uh, in a way that's going to undermine your happiness. So it turns out that we have three big goals. Uh, one is a goal for mastery. Another is a goal for belonging or connection with other people. And a third goal, which is a goal for autonomy, uh, to feel that you're free to do as you please. Uh, when you operate from a scarcity mindset, you pursue the goal for mastery through social comparisons, through chasing superiority, through wanting to be better than everybody else at what you do. And it turns out that's not very good for happiness. Um, you pursue belonging through wanting to be loved and nurtured and taken care of by other people. Um, you seek adulation, and that's not very good for happiness. And uh, you seek autonomy through trying to control other people and external outcomes, and that's not good for happiness either because you're abdicating the keys to your happiness to the external world. Um, and so uh, what I say is that you're better off from the perspective of happiness, uh, operating from what I call an abundance mindset. And when you do that, you pursue mastery through um, focusing on what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. You pursue belonging and connectedness through uh, serving other people, through being kind and compassionate to them. And you pursue autonomy through seeking what I call internal control, controlling your own mind and your feelings. And it turns out that not only are you happier when you pursue these goals through the abundance mindset, in the long run, uh, you're also likely to be uh, more likely to be successful. So that's in short the synopsis of the book. Hmm. So by being a nicer person, you're going to be a happier person. Yeah, so that's uh, surprising to many people that you actually end up uh, <laughs> uh, end up being more successful if you're nicer. But it's actually, I mean, I wish that I was the guy who invented this, uh, but it turns out that um, there's, there's uh, other people who have actually done a lot of research on this. And in particular, I want to give a shout out to Adam Grant at the Wharton School of Business, mm -hmm. who's just got a bestseller out called Originals. His earlier book was called Give and Take, and that was the basic thesis of the book, is that you're more likely to be more successful if you're a giver. Now, not all givers, not all nice people end up at the top. Some of them do end up at the bottom. And so it's important that you're not um, indiscriminate in your giving. You have to be smart about when, how, how much to give, but your intentions have to be noble. Your intentions have to be to improve the welfare of everybody, you included, in the world. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't want... I don't want I, I worry that I worry that you can get into a place of naivete, I guess. Is that, is that, yes. is that a danger? Yes, of course. Um, we all know people like that, right, who are just giving to a fault, and there is such a thing. Uh, and so you have to be smart about when, how much, who, and uh, where you give, etc. But um, your intentions have to be one of uh, wanting to serve other people and, and uh, enhance the welfare of everybody. Uh, what, what Adam Grant finds is that if you're a taker, right, which is the 
selfish guy, the mean spirited, mm-hmm. self centered guy, uh, they don't rise to the very top. Uh, and in a in a sense, you can kind of understand why and how this plays out, right? Um, you, you, if you know a taker, right? I mean, somebody who's just um, like a very self-centered guy and doesn't do anything good uh, for you uh, unless you do something in return or, you know, the the first thing that they think of is what can I get out of this? Uh, we don't like to hang out with those kind of people, right? They don't build a lot of goodwill, social goodwill in the society around them. Um, and so that's a, a big reason why this happens is that with, with givers, uh, you end up having all these pockets of resources all around you um, and you can tap into those. Um, and now you, you have to be careful that you don't get burnt out, that uh, you don't uh, become a doormat that everybody tramples on. But mm-hmm. um, if you're intelligent about it, you end up being more successful if you're a giver. Okay, fascinating. So I think from a – so one of the one of the previous episodes, one of the first or second episode actually, um, the the – the folk, the person I interviewed, I'll find it for you later on. Uh, she mm-hmm. talked about how we can have different personalities uh, online, and we're in. So I can be a DJ by night, and I can be a programmer by day, and I can be a, uh, I don't know, a blogger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the, being online allows you to to exist in different personalities. And I think one of the aspects of business has always been that you have to be the businessman all the time like and 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 maybe and and maybe to some degree you have to be because you have to think about it all the time but is this have does this have any direct relation to uh, online personalities and how how humans are changing in the way they are they present themselves and the way they exist in in the real world and online uh thanks to the new, new technologies um, if, if you're asking me whether it's possible that because of the new technologies and the opportunities that it provides, uh, people can uh, exist as a multiple different personalities and be successful in each one of them or overall lead a happier life, uh, I'd have to say that I probably disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, look, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about this mastery thing and uh, that being a very important need and you can pursue it either through social comparisons or through identifying what you're good at and where your abilities are. Uh, it, it turns out that, you know, uh, most of us have one, maybe two uh, things that we're really good at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, if you think about what that means, um, that uh, what it means is that to, to be a master at something, uh, you have to kind of nurture those one or two things that you're really good at and take them as far as you can. Because in a world with 9 billion people, right, or, or more or less that many, maybe it's 8 billion, um, you know, I, there's just a lot of people doing a lot of things. And um, so unless you kind of pick something that you're really good at and not just there, stop at that, but actually build on it, chances are that, you know, there's going to be other people who are going to do those things much better than you you can. And so for you to um, really kind of, you know, uh, stand out in, in any domain, you need to really focus on uh, the one thing that you're really good at. Um, and that's basically, in a sense, the thesis of this uh, bestseller that came out, I think, uh, maybe a year back. It, it's literally called the one thing, you know, hmm. and uh, that's, what they, that's what they talk about. Interesting. Okay, so I, so, so I was completely wrong. That's good. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, you know, with these kinds of questions, <laughs> there's no um, yeah. com- wrong or complete, right? I think that, you know, this is what makes human beings fascinating, right? I, I think that you can come up to some general conclusions that uh, seem to hold for most people most of the time. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me, I would say that that that's the principle here that you need to find what you're good at and it's usually one or two things max two things and just nurture those you know uh, pay a lot of attention to those okay all right sounds sounds very interesting so 
this is a podcast about the future. So what does your research and what is your what does some of your discoveries have to do? How are those going to take us forward in the future? Yeah, so um, if you think about the broad thesis of what I said, which I summarized some time back, that uh, you can't be really happy unless you operate from what I called an abundance mindset and that you're actually going to be miserable, unhappy if you operate from the scarcity mindset. And also in the long run, operating from abundance is going to make you more successful, right? Now, if you think about some big mega trends that are going on, um, I would say that it's not very clear um, which direction uh, critical mass of humanity is going to go. Is it going to go in the direction of abundance, which is going to increase not just their own happiness, but also the happiness of others? Because as you pointed out, uh, the abundance mindset calls for you to be a nicer guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so other people are going to benefit from your uh, from your niceness and from your happiness. Or uh, are the forces in general going to push us towards the scarcity mindset? Now, I would have to say that uh, on the one hand, there's at least a couple of forces that seem to indicate that, well, you know, our future is in the direction of abundance. And I point to um, these. One is that we just have a lot, a lot, a lot more research and understanding on what makes us happy. You know, in the last 20 years, there's this whole field of uh, positive psychology that's burgeoned. And uh, that field basically is what I'm tapping into in my book. And uh, a lot of the conclusions are along the lines of what I just said, that you need to be a giver, you need to be more generous, you need to express gratitude, you need to find your flow, you need to find something that you're passionate and uh, not be overly controlling of others and so on. So that seems to point to in the direction of abundance. And uh, to the extent that this knowledge trickles down, as it often does, right, in many other fields, uh, down into the public psyche, um, then we're going to see uh, a push towards abundance. Another thing that's happening is that um, uh, all around the world, you know, I mean, uh, America and the West were the most developed and powerful countries, but now India and China are coming up, Brazil and Russia. Many countries are kind of... What is happening is there's more and more people who, are, who belong to the category of the wealthy now. Um, and so there's many more millionaires now than used to be the case, say, 10 years back even, right? So what this means is that uh, whereas maybe... 200 years back, or maybe even 40, 50 years back, if um, uh, people were told that, look, guys, more wealth, more status, more fame, more um, this, that control is not going to make you happier, they would have probably said, you know what, let me discover that for myself. You know, I'll, I'll know for that for sure when I get there, but for now, I'm going to pursue it because uh, I don't really think that that's true for me. You know, every time I've earned a little bit more money, it's made me happy kind of a thing. Um, but now we actually have a critical mass of people. I would say somewhere in the region of uh, maybe a billion people around the world, maybe about 500 at least, 500 million at least, uh, who actually know as a personally experienced truth as opposed to a conceptually, you know, trickle-down concept mm -hmm. that more of these things, extrinsic rewards, won't lead to more happiness. And what that means is that we have a critical mass of people who are now ready to, to be true seekers on this path of happiness. You know, they're not just you know, mouthing that I want to be happy, but they're actually uh, true seekers. They've discovered for themselves that all these extrinsic rewards don't lead to more happiness. And so they're going to have to do some heavy duty soul searching, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, to figure out the true determinants. And so a bunch of people are ripe for the message. And so to the extent that these people, and these are people, uh, mind you, who are uh, the ones with the access to the resources, right? I mean, these are the smart and successful kind who have actually discovered for, uh, for their themselves that these things don't lead to more happiness and if they adopt an abundance mindset the trickle-down effect is going to be huge because they actually control the purse strings so to speak and once they loosen their grip everyone's going to benefit out of it so 
couple of you know big factors pushing us in the direction and of course general consciousness about the environment and about global warming and about you know species decimation and about uh, desertification and uh, income inequality and water scarcity all of these are pushing us in the direction of changing something in a big paradigm shift towards abundance but on the other hand there's other factors that are pushing us in the direction of scarcity uh, you know and one of those uh, big factors is um, kind of in some ways ironically is the access to all this information that's out there you know so you have people who uh, spew a lot of hateful messages from around the world mm -hmm. who divide um, more than they kind of uh, bring together the the public uh, this includes politicians and leaders and of course religious fundamentalists and once you have access to all that um, what it does is in some sense, it polarizes the public. And so, for example, as a manifestation of that, in the U.S., we have the Republicans and Democrats um, facing perhaps the biggest divide that uh, they've ever faced. You know, very little bipartisanship um, going on right now. And what is also happening is that uh, as a kind of a unintended, uh, you know, uh, downstream consequence or a byproduct of uh, just access to uh, information from around the world, a poor farmer in Bangladesh can look at the internet at a rich kid living in California, you know, doing skateboarding or whatever, right? Uh, and leaving, living this seemingly uh, carefree life mm -hmm. and uh, want that for himself or herself. So the aspirations of uh, the, uh, you know, people who didn't have much um, are going up. And so, and given that we have such a big population, if you think about the number that I mentioned some time back, 500 million to 1 billion, still minuscule compared to the overall population of the universe. And if the rest of the 7 billion want to catch up with this 1 billion, you need a lot of resources. And when, once you start grabbing those resources, then we're going to be in a little situation of scarcity as far as these resources are concerned, right? Which is what, to some extent, we are facing with the, uh, you know, scarcity of uh, water, for example. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I don't know, uh, John, you know, uh, I hope... Of course, you know, I, I imagine everybody hopes <laughs> that uh, overall the the positive forces win out and uh, that there is uh, we, we exist in a period of more promise than peril. But, uh, you know, I think the jury is out there. I'm not sure. Okay. So you're, so you're not, you're not, um, I guess you could say bullish on the future specifically, or is it because of this idea of scarcity coming up or? Yeah. I, I, you know, so what I'm, what I'm uh, convinced of, uh, what I feel I, I feel like I'm on strong footing uh, for, is that this abundance mindset is important for a large majority, a critical mass of people to adopt. Okay, and that is what is going to be required for not just for them to be happy, but for the world to progress in the direction of positivity. Mm -hmm. um, that I'm sure of, and I'm also sure that scarcity mindset is not very good. Um, but I don't know to what extent you know people know that or uh, you know how long it'll take for that message to trickle down um and therefore uh, uh, and also plus given that there are many forces that are seemingly pushing us in the direction of scarcity and many others pushing us in the direction of abundance i'm <laughs> it's very difficult for me to predict you know which direction it's going to go is what i'm saying i guess hmm. okay uh, so i guess what so i mean we're actually taking we're taking a crossroads here so mm -hmm. what would the world in which everyone basically followed the idea that we are not in a position of scarcity and that we can be um, more giving what would the world look like and i don't want to i don't mean this in a very uh general um loosey-goosey sense i mean this in a, in a very specific sense what does business look like what does uh, politics look like etc Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. And first of all, I have to say that you really can't expect 
the seven billion people who don't the not have don't haves uh, to adopt the uh, abundance mindset if these if the people with uh, the resources sure. cannot do but right? yeah i mean i think i think i think, I think our, we're coming at this from the from the viewpoint of perhaps there's going to be a technology perhaps there's going to be a change that allows for abundance yeah. to exist and yeah. Maybe it won't happen, and maybe this these podcasts will will flow into the ether and disappear, and we won't. We, none of the none of our dreams will come true. But what would happen if the dreams did come true? What would, what would the world look yeah. like? Yeah, uh, I think uh, what would the world would look like is uh, so we can go back to uh, these three goals that we all seek, right? Uh, of mastery, belongingness, and autonomy. Um, uh, first of all, these three goals uh, only come into prominence if your basic necessities are met. Right, uh, you really can't talk to a guy war struck in the uh, you know in Afghanistan or in Iraq or uh, to a poor uh, uh, kid in Central African Republic that you know you, you, the reason you're not happy is because you don't have any uh, mastery or you know belongingness and autonomy. Um, I think that for them the basic necessities are more important, and uh, there is a lot a lot of people who are below that poverty line, and so uh, that's uh, going to have to kind of you know be brought up. Um, having said that. Uh, if you look at these three mastery, belongingness, and autonomy, um, what would happen is that um, as far as the mastery is concerned, if everybody started pursuing uh, what they really uh, enjoy doing, which is what would happen in the abundance mindset and, and what they're good at rather than comparing themselves to other people on wealth and fame and status, etc., uh, you would have uh, people not wanting to do certain kinds of jobs, Um I know I'm just picking an industry and nothing against it, but I think that you'd have a lower demand for the investment banking kind of jobs that we saw depicted really well in, uh, what is that movie? The, the Long Shot, right? Was yep, it called yeah, The Long uh, Shot? The, uh, big Shot. The Big Shot, The Big Shot, The Big Shot, yep. So those kinds of jobs would be less in demand because it's just an abattoir for the soul, you know, that, that kind of a job. It, it's just um, a demeaning to, to cheat other people to, to make more money. Uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we have, all of us have a little bit of a conscience that uh, tells us that it's, it's better, you know, all things being equal, we'd rather earn our money in an ethical fashion that, that does good to other people. And so you wouldn't have that. You'd pro- probably not have a lot of people working at the uh, bottom end of the pyramid uh, on in jobs that are menial and meaningless and and uh, repetitive, uh, you know, flipping burgers, for example, right? So what you would have is uh, that uh, you would have to pay those guys more to work at those kinds of jobs, you know. So the minimum wage would go up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, eventually, I mean, if nobody is willing to take up those jobs, uh, companies are going to probably have to invent um, robots to flip burgers and clean toilets and stuff like stuff like that. Um, so what would happen is that I think that the economy would progress in the direction of making more meaningful things. You know, the next iPad may not come out in the next two months. Uh, it might take a couple of years to come out, but it would be made in a manner that's more sustainable, more meaningful, more um, gentle on, on the rest of us. You know, so what economists call negative externalities. You know, if you and I do a business, okay, and animals and poor people and future generations get hurt, that's negative externality. You know, uh, you and I are doing business, but... The, the other people are caught in the crossfire. That negative externality, externality would get reduced quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps even, even go to zero. Um, and you and I, by by uh, transacting with each other, would benefit um, uh, from our transaction. So that's what would happen as far as uh, the, the business world is concerned and as far as this mastery domain is concerned. When it comes to belongingness, I think that there would be a far bigger recognition that uh, at the end of the day, this is a very, very important need that we have. Um, I just was reading this blog uh, 
by a guy called Harari, uh, who's like a really fascinating guy from Israel, uh, who's written a great book called Sapiens, I think it's called, mm-hmm. uh, on, on the history of humankind. And he makes this commentary that uh, we've become so um, isolated from each other and alienated from each other. And there's a lot of research on that too. Uh, good, um, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, John Cassiopo at the University of Chicago has done a lot of work on this topic and he's got a book called Loneliness. Um, and that, you know, phenomenon where we live alone together in a sense, you know, in big cities, um, but each of us has in, in its own bubble and, and the technology is actually separating us a little bit more. Actually, that Alone Together is the title of a book, right, on this topic. Um, so that would, I think, uh, mitigate as well that we would recognize that, look, ultimately it, we, we, really, uh, we uh, really need the sense of connection and intimacy and belonging with each other. Um, and therefore, we'd uh, have things in place that nurture that sense of belongingness. We'd have perhaps more parks, mm-hmm. more um, kind of uh, things that allow for people to mingle with each other, um, perhaps more um, facilities for congregating and not necessarily religious, but um, uh, areas where we can get to get with, together with each other and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, interact with each other. Um, so you'd have more leave uh, for parents with kids um, because, you know, uh, there's one relationship that's very, very, very important. It's the relationship of parents with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of research showing that if you don't take care of your kids and give them what's called contact comfort, right? Hold them, literally give them bodily contact comfort. Um, they grow up into either avoidance or needy people, right? Uh, anxious people. So that would, I think, improve. And finally, in terms of autonomy, I think what you would end up discovering is that people would be less feverish about controlling the external environment and changing to a mode of seeking happiness within uh, and seeing if they can take personal responsibility for their own happiness rather than blaming it on the weather not being right or, you know, the uh, other people not behaving exactly as they want them to and so on. Um, So that's the broad shift that you would see if people ended up adopting the abundance mindset uh, in terms of the economy, in terms of relationships, in terms of how much people try to control the external environment. And you can kind of take it down into some other implications. Uh, So I think the income inequality would come down because people are no longer operating from a scarcity mindset of holding and wanting more and more and more and nothing is enough. Uh, There would be less species decimation, I imagine, that if you operate from a sense of abundance, you don't want to kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. um, necessarily... Uh, eat the best meals all the time. Uh, you're you're okay with, uh, with with not chasing that. Okay. So yeah. So it it would have, in my opinion, it would have a bunch of really great positive effects. Um, which is why I'm a very strong proponent of my book, and I hope that um, not just that it reaches many hands, but that uh, people also kind of take it to heart and actually do some of the happiness exercises to discover it for themselves. Okay. So, what can people do? Just right now, after uh, even if they if they hear this right now, what can they start to do to think in in the terms that you're looking for? And the, yeah, the um, mindset? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of things that um, people could start doing immediately, right? Uh, the the first thing is uh, if you think about the abundance mindset, you know, basically what it is there's uh, a feeling that you already have enough. You know, I, I life is good. 
um, even though uh, in a literal sense, maybe you might be lacking one or two things. But uh, this is particularly true for the smart and successful crowd mm-hmm. that I'm talking to, right? I mean, in Americans uh, in general, um, uh, on average, because we are in a rich country, let's not forget that, right? Uh, so uh, just noting down everything that you could be grateful for, right? And if that seems a little bit artificial to do, then just noting three good things that happen every day, right? Um, it doesn't have to be something earth shattering, but, you know, uh, John Biggs spoke to me today, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Um, some stranger smiled at me or, you know, I found a parking spot, the best parking spot in the uh, grocery store. So just making a note of these positive things reminds you of the ways in which your life is actually abundant. And once you build that and become second nature to notice positive things, then you're slowly kind of steering yourself uh, in the direction of becoming more abundance-minded. Uh, mind you, this is going to take some time, mm-hmm. right? If you're been inured in, in a scarcity mindset all your life, uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to shed that and then adopt this new mindset. So you got to give yourself a little bit of patience. So that's very important. And so that leads me to the second uh, strategy. Uh, there is a very good colleague of mine here at UT Austin. Her name is Kristen Neff. Mm-hmm. I want to do a little bit of a shout out to her concepts and book called Self-Compassion. And so it's very important to start charity needs to begin at home in a sense. You know, you need to start by being nice to yourself. Um, and that niceness is going to flow into feeling that the world is good. You know, if you're suffering from the inside out, uh, it's very difficult to reach a place of abundance from there. So you need to kind of be gentle and nice to yourself and not self-flagellate. And one of the big reasons why we end up being nasty to ourselves, what she finds is that we are much better to other people that we care for, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if a friend comes and tells you that I really failed at this task or this job, we're probably going to lend a shoulder for them to cry on and tell them, no, don't worry, prop them up, etc. But we bring out the whip when it comes to ourselves, right? I mean... There you go again. Again, you fail. You're no good. You're never going to do it. You're going to choke and so on. Those kinds of sto- narratives and stories build the scarcity mindset. You need to feel good about yourself. So that's the other thing that I would say. And she's got a lot of exercises uh, on uh, selfcompassion.org that uh, people can check out. You can check out her book as well. Um, and the final thing that I would say, and this might seem like a uh, not-so-sexy thing to do. Um, it's, it's very kind of low-tech, actually. But just lead a healthier lifestyle. You know, this is along the lines of um, being nice to yourself, but actually is much more actionable. It's not just a matter of kind of thinking a new set of thoughts, but actually going out and in particular three things, right? Eating right, moving more, sleeping better. Mm-hmm. Eating right, moving more, sleeping better, which is really a tagline for Tom Rath's uh, book, Eat, Move, Sleep. Um, and just do three things in each category, right? Eating more, sorry, eating, eating more. Uh, okay. Eating right. <laughs> you got me. I'm ready to go. Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, eating right. Um, so, uh, just start your meals with the healthiest items, you know? So the research, uh, what the findings show is that you eat 50% more of the item with which you begin your meal. And if you start with a bad appetizer, right? I mean, calamari or something, mm-hmm. uh, which is still perhaps better than some other appetizers. But yeah, you start with a salad, right? And not with too much dressing, I, mean, I should add here. Yeah. Um, choose smaller plates. It turns out that we eat a lot less. A good colleague of mine at Cornell, Brian Wansing, has shown this. We are mindless when it comes to eating, that uh, we eat as much as there is on the plate. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, get rid of the bigger plates or put them in the uh, back of your, of your wardrobe or cupboards and get smaller plates, um, for example, right? And sleeping, moving more, just getting a pedometer app installed in your uh, in your phone is somehow going to 
make you walk more because mm-hmm. I think that you just monitor your walking a little bit more and then uh, that propels you to walk more. Um, okay, so um, don't sit as much. Uh, you know, every 20 minutes, just have an alarm go off on your computer to uh, force you to take a two-minute walk, right? Um, sleeping better, uh, just cool your uh, bedroom a little bit. It turns out that we sleep better in cooler environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, get thick blinds. Don't check your email after 9 p.m., no matter what, right? And tell everybody around you, that you're not going to do that. This is going to be a new policy that you're not going to check. Um, it turns out that 95% of us, 97, actually 98% of us, need seven hours of, or more of sleep. Okay? Many of us think that we only need five hours or six hours, mm-hmm. but we don't know how much better we would be, how much more mentally sharper we would be, how much more of a sense of equanimity and abundance we would have when if we actually slept a little bit more so <laughs> just try it out for yourself you know for a few uh, couple of weeks right. uh, getting those seven hours yeah. so I've, I've been trying those, this those thing called the, the things that i would say yeah i've been trying this thing called the five minute journal i don't know if you've seen it uh it's like five minute journal.com you basically it's just like it's exactly what you said it's it's you're supposed to find the things that that, that you're thankful for that day or what things that made you feel good uh-huh. and that idea of yeah. changing your brain uh for the positive is actually it's actually a great way to start building for the future right now right yeah 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 that's great i mean i think i'd come across five minute journal but uh, uh thanks for reminding me of it yeah uh, take, i'll check it out yeah take a look at it so where can people find your book and and uh, and and where else can they find some of your work or of any of your presentations and things um my book is uh, available on all you know major retailers okay. uh, uh, so you know Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and bookstores and stuff. Um, uh, in terms of my presentations and things, uh, so let me just uh, also put out this thing that you don't have to buy my book uh, if you can't afford it, etc. Um, there is a course, uh, a free course on Coursera that I offer. It's okay. called Life of Happiness and Fulfillment. Uh, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Coursera, mm-hmm. but it's a MOOC platform, massive open online course. Um, just type in Raj, my first uh, name, first three letters, and Coursera uh, or happiness and uh, the course link will come up. It just takes literally 20 seconds to register and you can start watching the videos A Life of Happiness and Fulfillment. And the book is called If You're So Smart. Yeah, A Life of Happiness and Fulfillment. And I use the, yeah, the book is called If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Happy? But the Coursera course is called A Life of Happiness and Fulfillment. Aloha, Aloha Mm -hmm. for short. A Life of Happiness and Fulfillment. (laughs) Okay, okay. <laughs> Perfect. So, thank you very much, Raj. This is uh, this. I think this was one of the first episodes that we've actually had uh, some some practicable advice, uh, applicable oh. advice. Uh, just as soon as you listen to it, you can actually feel a little bit better. I'm gonna try all this stuff and mm-hmm. see and see how I feel. I've been I've been really tired. I think maybe the sleeping thing might be my first uh, mm-hmm. might be the first step to uh, to happiness on my front. Yeah, and it, sometimes it takes a little bit more discipline than some of us can muster, but uh, it's a matter of putting it into a habit, you know, just saying, telling everybody around you that this is how it's going to be from now on, you know. I'm going to not check email, so don't be worried or bothered. I'm not going to text you back after 9 p.m. And just making that one or two small changes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, getting a white noise machine, getting thick blinds for your bedroom and um, not watching TV or getting any electronics into your bedroom. All these little changes, they add up to a big effect. They, uh, some tool, you know, is bigger than the parts. Alright, perfect. Raj, thank you very much for joining us on Technotopia. I'm John Biggs, this is Technotopia.